Welcome to the Veteran Experience with author, veteran, and judge Mark Johnson. On this show, we help veterans heal and be heard. We share stories of struggle, of heroism, of the endless battle to preserve American liberty. We explore the toll that service can take on some of our bravest. Today, we are going to explore the fight for recognition of burn pit claims. I've got a website at uh, emmyjohnsonauthor.com, and I put up an article. I'm basically going to be reading most of that article back to you, but it gives you some of the information. And my guest today will be Grant Gauchi, who was on last week. But uh, before I start talking to Grant, I want to give a little background about burn pits. Burn pits are open-air locations that were used to burn solid waste on a large scale. They're a common waste disposal method used by the United States military. Uh, The materials burned included chemical and medical waste, plastics, rubber, human excrement, food, scraps, rubber. Uh, The pit was set aflame with jet or diesel fuels. Now, Burn pits are illegal in the U.S., but they are legal outside the United States, and they were used heavily in Iraq and Afghanistan from uh, 2001 to 2010. Now, I can tell a little story about the trash problem in some of these countries, and when I was in Baghdad from 2003 to 2004, the 1st Armored Division was the uh, division in controlling the ground that uh, they turned over command to the 1st Cavalry Division. There were five brigades in Baghdad. The trash in Baghdad was the uh, worst on earth, literally. That's, it was the worst in, on the planet. There was so much trash, and the, it's because there's no way to get rid of it. So each brigade was challenged to fix this problem, so they started hiring local contractors to uh, uh, deal with the issue. Well, the problem is you've got five brigades, each each with their own money, so they're paying people to get rid of trash, and what some of the locals were doing, not some, a lot of locals were doing, is they'd have trucks, they'd pick up the trash, they'd pick it up from 1st Brigade and go dump it over in 3rd Brigade's area. Then 3rd Brigade would pay the same guy to pick up the trash and dump it. I mean, only in Iraq would trash somehow become a commodity that people would get paid for moving and dumping it. Well, and I will admit, one time I I had a sergeant working for me who, uh, he was dealing with the garbage problem, and he suggested burn it. And I back, I was backing them up. I said, do it. And somebody said, no, we're not going to burn trash. Well, they're not going to burn trash where we were at. Other, other areas, they were burning a lot of trash. Because these, let me say this, these burn pits were common in Iraq. The biggest one I know of, I never saw it, I've heard of it, was about 60 miles northwest of Baghdad in a town called Balad. The pit was 10 acres. It burned 24 hours a day. They'd throw jet fuel out there. They'd light it, and then they'd and peep. So what began to happen was these smoke and fumes could be toxic, and exposure was causing short-term and long-term health problems. 
uh, people with pre-existing problems were having far more problems. People like with asthma, lung, heart conditions, they were having a lot of problems, especially those that were on bases where there was a lot of this burning going on. Well, starting back in about 2008, the Military Times began reporting on service members returning from Iraq and Afghanistan, suffering from unusual cancers, respiratory illnesses, believed to be caused by breathing toxic fumes. Since then, there have been numerous studies and reports that have suggested links between the poor air quality and rare cancers found in increasing numbers among post-9-11 uh, veterans. Now, victims of burn pit-related health problems came to the notice of the public during uh, President Biden's uh, 2022 State of the Union address. He believed that uh, his son, Bo, who served a year-long tour of duty in Iraq and later died of brain cancer, that President Biden stated he believed that was as a result of his exposure to toxic chemicals from uh, burn pits. To quote our president, when they came home, many of the world's fittest and best trained warriors in the world were never the same. Headaches, numbness, dizziness, a cancer that would put them in a flag-draped coffin. I know. The Department of Veterans Affairs estimates about 3.5 million U.S. military members could have been exposed to burn pits. Now, here's the issue. For a decade, the Department of Veterans Affairs resisted calls to link illnesses to burn pit exposures, claiming that the scientific backing for the claims was too weak. They regularly denied those claims. Further, veterans could not prove a connection between their condition and the service because the Defense Department did not keep records of what was being burned in those pits. As a result, the exact toxins in the smoke are unknown. And while the pits were widely used, individual service members were not monitored at the time for exposure to the smoke, making it unclear if later illnesses were connected to burn pits or other life events. I have, however, talked to veterans who were stationed at Balad, where the burning was going on 24 hours a day, and they have a lot of they have problems. VA officials finally relented last year. They award presumptive benefit status to any post-9-11 veteran who contracts asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis within 10 years of service overseas. Uh, the VA still needs to go further, I believe, and include many more illnesses and extend that arbitrary 10-year limit. So there's now a legislative fight underway to require the Department of the Veterans Affairs to expand its recognition of the health consequences of burn pit exposure. President Biden has already said he'll sign a bill that's working its way through the system. Uh, it's nearing Senate approval. Now, the Veteran Burn Pit Exposure Recognition Act is the tw of 2021 is the one that we want to see signed to help our veterans. It requires the Department of Veterans Affairs to concede for the purposes of health care benefits and wartime disability compensation that a veteran was exposed to certain toxic substances, chemicals, and hazards from burn pits if the veteran served on active duty in a covered location during a specified time frame and they develop a condition. Uh, it's very similar to what was dealt with on Agent Orange. 
and the bill gives some periods. Basically, those who have been uh, in Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Oman, Qatar, uh, Afghanistan, Syria, Egypt, Lebanon, Yemen, Djibouti. You can see how long these things have been going on. Uh, and and if they if they were stationed in those places and they developed a condition. You know, I have a brother-in-law. I had a brother-in-law. He passed away, but he had uh, uh, developed prostate cancer, and he had been in Vietnam. That was a presumptive condition. And so he didn't have to show that I was exposed to Agent Orange. There was a presumption because uh, it's an impossible burden to put on a veteran to try to prove where you got cancer. Uh let me just say that that uh, bill is a helpful beginning. Now, I would say burn pit claims are complicated. Now, thankfully, I got someone here who can walk you through the process of that. I'd also tell you there's the VFW, American Legion, the Disabled American Veterans. They got good people there that can help you with it. So I am privileged today to have with me Grant Gauchi. In our last show, we met Grant. Uh, we learned all the vast amount of services. He's a retired Navy, a submariner, and uh, he runs our Riverside County Veteran Services office. offices. You will not find a more dedicated advocate for veterans. Grant, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you, sir. Okay. Now, Grant, I know your office helps veterans in filing claims. I know that personally because I've sat in front of you and some of your other folks, and they've helped me when I need. I was struggling. Uh, do you deal with burn pit claims? Have you dealt with these? We have. We've seen some some claims come in for burn pits and other related uh, conditions that are not yet you know on the presumptive list. But for presumptions, just like with Agent Orange, it is all you have to establish is that you were actually there and she was exposed. And then if they recognize those illnesses and you are diagnosed with the condition, uh, then we can get you granted a service connection for that. But right now it's kind of limited. I think it's just three conditions. It is. Uh, there's secondary things that could be associated with that. Uh, sleep apnea is a big one. We file a lot of claims for sleep apnea. Um, what, what's that? Sleep apnea. It's uh, it's a, Oh, no, I know sleep apnea, but that's tied into burn pits or something? Well, rhinitis and other respiratory things really? can, can contribute to uh, the sleep apnea. So if you have one, that would be a secondary thing we'd want to consider filing for. Wow. You know, I didn't know that. Uh, now, the problem is, like, let's take, let's pretend President Biden came in and said, I want to make a claim dealing with my son, Bo. You'd probably have to tell him right now that, no, Bo died of brain cancer. Sorry. That's not a covered condition, wouldn't you? I think. No, I think you we, would, we no? would say that's not currently a recognized condition, but we would encourage <laughs> filing for it. There's a okay. number of conditions that uh, – what happens is when – when the when they'll, they'll do a study. We recommend all veterans that served in the Gulf or in Iraq or Afghanistan that they get – they get signed up for the burn pit registry. And then they keep track of any, any of the medical conditions that they may develop over the years. And that's how they get laws passed to add those 
things onto presumption. So if we file a claim and you feel it's associated with the exposures, it may be denied now, but if the VA changes the law later on, they often will go back retroactive to the date that you originally filed your claim. So file the claim if you think that it's related and, and try to get medical evidence and nexus statements, opinions, linking that current condition to types of exposure that you had in, while you were in service from those bone, burn pits. And uh, I wouldn't discourage filing a claim. Uh, it'll be, we know that it will likely, most likely be denied, but if you can get strong enough evidence to support that uh, the chemicals and the things that you were exposed to that contribute to that, it's, it, that builds the case for them making that law later on. Um. Have you now? You've been seeing these claims. Have you been seeing claims of people who have what is it? Sinusitis, asthma, rhinitis. Have you been doing what you're saying? That what I mean is that there's a claim. Somebody comes in. I've got this other problem. I know it's not covered now, but I want to make a claim anyhow. Is that well, have you been dealing with that issue? Well, our team, our team is is aware that if they come in to file for any of these. Approved conditions, they will definitely be filing those. But we 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 also screen whenever we do uh, an interview. We screen them for any types of respiratory illnesses or or other conditions. And there's a list of of other things to kind of be on the lookout for. And that would be reduced uh, central nervous system function, reduced liver or kidney function, stomach respiratory or skin cancers, leukemia, upper lower respiratory symptoms cardiovascular conditions and others that could be related to, you know, burn pit exposure, smoke, really? toxins. So it's things to consider. If they have those conditions, uh, we would want to at least explore that and then make it a record and file a claim. You know, I'm learning as I'm sitting here because, I, you know, I'm fair-skinned and I've had have little bits of skin cancer removed. I'll, I'm one of those guys that takes his shirt off for the dermatologist and says, take a look. Anything bother you? And uh, I never thought that somehow burn pit exposure could somehow be related to that. Now, it's not a presumptive condition, but it's something you I could make a claim for. Well, it's anyhow. A, it's something to consider. If, if yeah. If, because these are they're just things are just coming to light now about burn pits and all the different you know benzene and all the exposure that that could come from that. So technically, only only conditions that are approved by law right now are being awarded. But if 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 there's good rationale to support that the, that a condition that you developed could be associated with that exposure you had. I wouldn't discourage you from filing it uh, with knowing up front that it's likely it's not going to be approved now, but it, later on, if the law changes, uh, they could they could retroactively grant that benefit. Now, they're going to add, let me see, a ton of, well, I don't know if a ton of new types of illnesses, but I know there's going to be a, a real expansion of the kind of illnesses that are, that are, there will be a presumption that it was related to your service. Well, if you look at Agent Orange as an example, yes, uh, when that happened, when they started granting service connection for that, the list was small at first, and then it, it continued to expand. Now there's some 13 different conditions. They just recently added uh, bladder cancer, Parkinsonism, and uh, hypothyroidism. But just look at the list uh, of Agent Orange-related conditions. They have uh, diabetes-type 
mellitus type 2, ischemic heart disease, uh, respiratory cancers, lung cancer, prostate cancer, you know, diabetes, and then all the secondary things associated with diabetes. So uh, initially right now they just granted three things, but we know that over time if they keep doing studies and research, uh, th- this list is going to grow. Now, tell us about this presumption because, and, and let me give a, I think a background to it. The The problem with a lot of these claims is in the normal case, the veteran has the burden of proving that they got by a preponderance of the evidence that they got a condition as a result of military service. It's probably better ways to say that, but that it's, they have to prove it's service-connected. Now, I think, does a presumption switch that burden and say the VA's got to prove you didn't get it if you come down with the condition? How do these work? Well, presumption, if they just... If you are exposed, then the presumption is if you develop any of these conditions, they're going to grant service connection. They just You just have okay. to show that you were exposed. So for Agent Orange, for example, uh, before initially when they started granting those service connection, you had to have served in-country boots on the ground in Vietnam. Then they expanded that eventually to brown water navy. So if you were in the in the yeah. rivers, uh, river boats in in Vietnam, and you, but you never t- touched foot on land, uh, they presumed well you were exposed. And then just most recently, they they passed the uh, blue water navy. Uh, they they're presuming now that if you were twelve nautical miles off the coast of Vietnam, uh, that you were exposed to Agent Orange. So all the people that were off the coast of Vietnam prior in the Navy, Blue Water Navy sailors were denied. But then later on, they expanded that law and and said, well, we presume you were exposed because all the runoff from the water, from the land and the rivers runs to the ocean. They get their potable water from the ocean uh, and then, you know, flight, the winds blowing in. So they, they expanded that law. So the biggest hurdle for presumption is just proving that you were actually exposed and in the areas where the exposure could have happened. Okay. And th- these presumptions are so helpful to our veterans who are trying to Oh, yeah. To that's, pretty, it's, that's a pretty straightforward claim. If, if you're exposed and you develop a condition and are diagnosed with it, then, yeah. then they can grant service connection. On the other hand, for other claims, you have to have – and also there's proof documentation in your – military records that something happened or is a direct directly due to your service uh then you have to look at getting if it's not in your records like for post-traumatic stress if you was never treated for it you have to get treatment records and and uh, diagnosis before you can file for that well i'll see it seriously if i was on active duty again every time i stubbed my toe i would have gone down and gotten a written document for it and said that because you know I think a big problem with a lot of our vets is most of them tend to be young. They're young guys. They heal. You deal with issues. You just move on. You don't want to sound like a wimp and be running down to sick call or anything. The problem is then you turn around 20 years later, you're dealing with the VA and somebody's saying, hey, there's no proof any of this stuff happened. Uh, So... Grant, let me tell you, I think with something like burn pit claims that a veteran needs to come to someone like you or your office. Would you agree with that? I think they're complicated, that's why. Yeah, it's good to work with a accredited representative so that they can assist and kind of cut through the red tape. We help prepare, develop, and and uh, gather the evidence and submit the claims and then, uh, you know, 
just simplify and guide you through the process. So you don't have to worry about uh, fill, filling out all the, the paperwork. And, and uh, also, we'd explore other conditions. If you come in with rhinitis, and then we talk to you, you're a combat veteran, we'd, we'd interview and screen for post-traumatic stress, for hearing loss. Do you have ringing in the ears from combat noise mm-hmm. exposure? So we'd, we interview and, and do comprehensive uh, benefits counseling to screen for any possible condition they may have, uh, not just burn pits, but everything else they was exposed to while they were there serving in, in uh, Iraq or Afghanistan. Well, let me say this, Grant. Well, first off, you're you're a personal hero. Yeah, you. Uh, I know we in our other show, I was talking about how you're a man who probably could make and be making a lot more money with all your experience and running businesses, but you you have chosen to run our Riverside County Veteran Services offices. You've chosen to devote your life to helping veterans, and I know I've been down there and you've helped me personally. You've helped veterans from our Veterans Court. And uh, the one thing I could tell everybody, if uh, get help from someone like Grant. Grant, you mind giving us your contact information? So they can, veterans can contact you and get the help they need. Absolutely. Thank you. Yes, our, you can call 844-737-8838 uh, and then just enter your zip code and that will route, route you the call to the nearest County Veteran Service Office. We have offices in Riverside, Hemet, and Indio. And if you want, if you're in the Riverside area, you can call 951-955-3060. Uh, if you're in Hemet, you can call 951-766-2566. And our Indio office is 760-863-8266. Or you can go online to get all of our information for our office locations. Okay. Uh, well, let me just say to everybody, Grant, thank you. Thanks, for everyone, for listening. Please come back next week. Next week, Retired Army Command Sergeant Major will be a guest on two shows. In the first, we will discuss the importance of, well, first off, his office and discuss the importance of veterans having a mission in life. In the second, we will explore a sensitive topic dealing with race and racism within our veterans community. Please subscribe and tell your friends about my podcast. Also, please visit my webpage at emmyjohnsonauthor.com. That's M-E-J-O-H-N-S-O-N-A-U-T-H-O-R. And help me make this podcast better with comments. You can leave them on my webpage. I promise I will read and reflect on everything you put down. Thank you. Okay. Uh. Awesome. Wow. Uh. Okay.